You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. And today, we're going to go back to medieval times. We're going to go back to the age of the Rishonim, as we call it, to discuss um, Zehut HaMashiach, which is a big debate over the identity of Mashiach. So, this Machloket, we're going to associate this, this disagreement, as a disagreement between the Rambam, Maimonides, whom we have studied um, at uh, great detail, and then uh, and the Ravad, who is the major commentator on the Rambam. Now, I want to explain why this is a, a, such an important topic. The question of Mashiach, if you were to go to any two Jews and ask them about what is this Mashiach thing that everyone's talking about it, so if you would have two Jews, you would have ten explanations. I know sometimes it's two Jews, three opinions, but here it's just so, there's so many different opinions as to what exactly or how to understand even what Mashiach is about. The Rambam has his understanding of what Mashiach is about. We saw it a little bit when we were learning the Rambam Sefer Amada. A little bit he, he discussed there about what Mashiach is and why we want Mashiach. We talked about it a little bit then. But here we're not going into the general, you know, what will the world be like and, and, and uh, what do we want to see from um, the out... Here the question is, how do we know who, who, who is Mashiach? So here is where, what the Rambam writes. He, he gives a list. I'm not going to read all of the things that the Rambam writes that Mashiach is going to do. But then the Rambam writes this. This is in Sefer Shoftim, Hilchot Melachim, Perik Yud Aleph. Al ya'ale al da'atcha shahamelech ha-Mashiach tzarich la'asot otot umoftim. Do not get any impression that Mashiach is going to come along and he's going to wave his hand and the, 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 the sick will be healed and the dead will come back to life and he, he doesn't have to do these miracles. Or, um devarim ba'olam. He doesn't have to make new things in the world. So he doesn't have to have superpowers, he doesn't have to be able to make um, objects appear out of nowhere. Or, or bring back to life people. That's the Rambam. He says things like that, that only, only the fools, they say that. This is not the case. Now listen to the Rambam, because this is, this is so, so beautiful. The Rambam has a proof. Shaharei, Rabbi Akiva, Chacham Gadol Michachmeh Mishnehaya. Rabbi Akiva, every Jew has heard of Rabbi Akiva. He's, he was the, um, the biggest of his generation, and he says he was the Chacham Gadol, Michachmea Mishnah. V'hu haya nose kelav shel ben kuziva hamelach. And he carried the weapons for Bar Kochva. We know Bar Kochva, which means the son of the star, was presumed to be a messianic-like figure, and um, and Bar Kochva was called Bar Kochav based on the pasuk Darach Kochav Miyakov that the star will come forth from Yaakov, which we understood a reference to Mashiach. So when they assumed that Bar Kochva was Mashiach, they called him Bar Kochva. Kochva means Kochav, the star. But then, when they um, realized that he was not Mashiach, they changed his name from Bar Kochva to Ben Kuziva. Kuziva, meaning Kozev, meaning uh, falsifier. Okay. Says the Rambam, Rabbi Akiva carried the weapons for Bar Kochva. Rabbi Akiva called him Mashiach. And all of the sages of his generation believed that Bar Kochva was Mashiach. Until Bar Kochva died because of his own sins. 
כיוון שמהרג, once he was killed, נודע שאינו משיח. He's not משיח. Says the Rambam, ולא שאלו ממנו חכמים לא אות ולא מופת. But the rabbis never asked for a sign or a miracle. How could they believe that Bar Kokhva is Mashiach? Where were all the miracles? And the answer is, Mashiach does not need to perform miracles. That is, that is the position of the Rambam. That um, Mashiach is not going to perform miracles, but there are other signs that he is Mashiach. What's the sign? I'm going to continue reading in the Rambam. Rather, if a king from the house of David rises up and he studies Torah and he does mitzvot like David HaMelech according to the Torah Shebikhtav and the Torah Shebaopeh and he teaches all the Jewish people to follow the Torah and to support its institutions and he fights the fight of God, you should assume that that person is Mashiach. No evidence yet. If you see somebody who, this, these are the words of the Rambam, who knows, who studies Torah and does all the mitzvot, and that's Torah Shebikhtav and Torah Shebaopeh, and he brings all the Jewish people back to Judaism, and he fights for Hashem, then you should have assumed, make a chazaka, that he's Mashiach. Im asa v'hitzliach, but if he actually succeeds, v'natzach kala umot shesvivav, and he defeats all the enemies around, v'bana mikdash b'mkomo, and he builds the Beit HaMikdash, v'kibetz nidchei Yisrael, and he brings the Jewish people together, harezah Mashiach v'vadai, then he's Mashiach. V'im lo hitzliach adko, but if he does not succeed, or if he gets killed, it's pretty simple. If anyone shows up and claims that they are Mashiach, if they, if they fail or they die, they're out. They're not Mashiach. He says he doesn't mean that it's a bad person. It could be a good person, but he's not Mashiach. If the person fails or if they die. Then, I'm not going to read all this, but the Rambam explains why we reject all the other religions. Um, let's leave that for now. And then he says, Ukashiyamod, Hamalacha Mashiach. In truth, Vyatsliach, he will succeed. Vyarum, Vyanaseh, and he will be exalted and lifted up. And basically what he says is that all the, the Christians and the Muslims will realize that they were mistaken. That they were fooled and they will come back and recognize God the way that they are supposed to. The key here being, and I want to drive this point home. According to the Rambam, if Mashiach was to come in the year 2021, or let's call it Tavshin Pe Aleph. If, if, if the Mashiach was to come today, don't expect any miracles. Don't expect anything magical. The only thing you should expect is that Mashiach should have the biggest Twitter following, and he should have the highest ratings for all of his channels, meaning that Mashiach is going to be a human figure, who is going to teach the world to be better. It's going to be someone wise and understanding, someone accepted by everyone, and he's going to, on a very practical level, fix the world. That is the opinion of the Rambam. Says the Ravad, I don't agree. The, the Ravad quotes a statement in the Talmud. And, and, and let me read to you from the, from the inside uh, the Talmud. Bar Kuziva. This is from the Talmud, Sanhedrin 93b. Bar Kuziva malach tartein shnin upalga. Bar Kokhva 
ruled the Jewish people, he was a king. People don't think of it this way, but Bar Kokhba was, was a king. For two and a half years, and he said to the rabbis, Ana Mashiach. I am Mashiach. That's what Bar Kokhba said to the rabbis. Amrulei, the rabbi said to him, But Mashiach Ketiv, you know what it says by Mashiach? The Morach Vidain, that he could judge people by, by smelling. He could, he, that Mashiach is supposed to be so wise and so holy that he could smell when someone is lying to him. Nechzi Anan, let's test him. Let's test Bar Kokhva, Imorach Vidayin, if he is able to smell and judge based on that. Kevin the Chazyu, the Lo Morach Vidayin, when they saw that he is not able to judge people simply by smelling, Katluhu, they killed him. Says the Ravad that the Rambam, the Rambam is not right. The way to test Mashiach is to give him, Mashiach has to be someone who is supernatural. Mashiach brings miracles. And the way to see when someone is the real Mashiach is to test them and see if they can perform these miracles. What's the first miracle Mashiach is going to perform? He's going to be able to, to judge people based on, on smell. And so they tested Bar Kokhba and he failed. And that is why we rejected Bar Kokhba because Mashiach is going to be a miracle worker, not just a great political leader. That's the Machlokt. Now, I'd like to open up um, and take this in different directions, especially, especially um, as it relates to us. But are there any questions on, or comments on what we've seen so far? Can you tell us the time? Uh, Rambam was the 12th century. Yeah, they both lived at the same time, the Rambam and the Ravad. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so... This is this has many layers, many levels that we can we can go at this. Yeah. Uh, uh, so the, yes. There are two Mashiach, Mashiach ben David and Mashiach ben Yosef. Yeah. So it's an interesting suggestion you're making. The the only issue is that the Rambam, for some reason, and there's a lot of discussion about this, does not mention one word about Mashiach ben Yosef in all of Mishnah Torah. Not one word. He, yeah, so, so yeah, there, there is an approach to this, um, um, getting into Mashiach ben Yosef and Mashiach ben David, which I can talk about if, 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 if we have time to go there. But, but not, not within the Rambam. The Rambam only talks about Mashiach ben David. So, so there, there are a number of, of ways to approach this. Uh, I'd like to approach this from at, at, least, for at least two directions, if we may. The first is the following. The question is, how much is what we are thinking of in the future a world of miracles or a practical world? Let, let, me, let me define this more clearly because this is very, very important. And this is going to relate to class number 10 when we talk about um, the concept of Tzionut uh, and some of the other um, elements and the debates that are contained within that, you have to know that it starts with this debate over here about what are we looking for? Are we looking for a world where we human beings make it a better world? We, we clean up the mess that everyone made and we, we bring peace to the world and we get along and we teach people, um, um, you know, people will be learning philosophy and, and spirituality instead of people learning about how to build weapons. Is that the world we're looking for? Or are we looking for a world where we are floating around like angels, where food magically grows from trees, and where your clothing, um, you can, whatever, whatever um, clothing you want, you just wish it and, and the clothing appears on you. Which of these are we looking for? And there's many people who have this um, 
um, view that it's only considered paradise, it's only considered um, um, like a Mashiach coming is only a good thing if miracles are going to be there, if, if you know, no one will get sick and anyone who's sick is automatically healed. And there are others who see the concept of Mashiach as just being a very, very practical thing. A, a, um, a way just for humanity to be human and to act in a normal, proper way. Let me say this in one more way, because I, I, I want to I drive the point home. What we're debating here is, are we looking for the world's greatest, um, the world's greatest prophet, or are we looking for the world's greatest diplomat? And they're pretty far apart, right? That, that's what, and, and I don't mean that in a degrading way. There's nothing wrong with diplomats. But I mean, according to the Rambam, the focus of Mashiach is on getting the world, getting humanity back to being at least human. At least human. Right now, think about this. But there are 7 billion people in the world, and there are billions of people, possibly, who their whole day, they're all thinking about how they can kill that group of people. That's what their whole life is about. There are people in this world. You, I, I hope nobody thinks I'm crazy for saying that. But there are people in this world who actually spend all day thinking about how can I murder that group. And so Mashiach is going to come along and he's going to teach the world to be a better place. He's going to teach the world. He's going to be very wise. and very. That's what the Rambam is picturing. Well, the Ravid says, no, 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 this is going to be supernatural. People, I, I, I'm exaggerating, but, you know, his enemies will come by and he will wave his hand and they will all be destroyed. That, that's the debate. But what are they really debating about? What, what, what are we really, what are we really um, trying to understand here? And the question is, for each of us, what does this mean for us, how we're picturing Judaism? So I, I, want, to, I want to raise an issue. I'm gonna, and this is the second direction that we're going in. The Rambam makes it seem like, from what we read, just from what we read today, the Rambam makes it seem like Mashiach is not going to bring any miracles. Or at least Mashiach doesn't need to bring miracles. Except the problem is that just a few weeks ago, at the end of Sefer Amada, we read where the Rambam says that Mashiach is going to be as wise as Shlomo HaMelech. Wiser, maybe. The Rambam does, in the Rambam, uh, let me... One of the most important letters, we've discussed this before, but one of the most important letters ever written in Judaism is called Igeret Teman. Igeret Teman was a, there was a request made by the Jews of Yemen in the days of the Rambam. They were getting all these, in those days it was very popular to be a Mashiach Sheker. It's not so popular anymore. For some reason, it's fallen out of style. But in those days, it was very popular to be a Mashiach Sheker. And the Jews of Yemen didn't know there were these Mashiach Sheker who were showing up, these false messiahs, and they would show up and they would make claims, and some people would get excited, and some people would get into it, and, uh, and then they would, uh, it, would, it would fail, and then people would become depressed. So they asked the Rambam, what do we do? And the Rambam wrote... An incredible letter, Igeret Teman. This letter is so important that as tradition tells us, as we mentioned before, tradition tells us that when the, when the, um, when the Jews of Yemen said Kaddish, Yitkadal v'yitkadash, Yitkadal v'yitkadash me'raba, bi'alma, diverach, yirutei, etc. Bechayechon, uviyomechon, because this letter saved the Jewish people of Yemen. And they were so appreciative that they had to put his name into the Kaddish. That's what tradition tells us. This letter clarified for the Jews of Yemen. The Rambam said that everyone should read it, and they should read it publicly. And basically the only reason why we have Yemenite Jews today all the beautiful Yemenite communities only exist today because the Rambam sat down and wrote a letter 
It's called Igeret Teiman. And in Igeret Teiman, the Rambam gives a completely different picture of what Mashiach looks like. And it seems or looks like a contradiction. Furthermore, what the Rambam writes here, what we just read, that the Rambam writes that Mashiach does not need to do any miracles. It's all just very practical stuff. And brings a proof from Rabbi Akiva and Bar Kochba. This also needs analysis. Because what is the, how are you proving from the fact that Rabbi Akiva accepted Bar Kochba that, that, um, that there is no test says the Ravad, the Talmud says, that they did test Bar Kochva. They saw if he was Morach Vedain, if he could judge people by smelling. So how does the Rambam resolve this problem? If the Rabbis tested Bar Kochva, then that means they did test him for miraculous stuff. So how can the Rambam say that, listen, Rabbi Akiva accepted Bar Kochva and they didn't put him through any tests? These are the questions that have to be asked. Any suggestions? Does anyone have an answer? For how could the Rambam prove from the story of Bar Kochva that, um, that, the, um, that Mashiach does not need to bring any proof of, of any supernatural abilities when, when the Talmud says that they did test Bar Kochva to see if he has supernatural abilities? Yes? I have a question. Maybe I missed it. What does he say in Igeret Teman? So, uh, we don't have time to go through, it's a long letter, but basically in Igeret Teman, he seems to suggest that, um, that there is going to be something supernatural in the process of Mashiach. So, and we know that the Rambam, even though he looks like he contradicts himself a lot, we know that he's very careful to never do so. Um, so he always kept track of what he did, unless, uh, some exceptions. But, but in terms of his approach towards things, he remains pretty consistent outside of the, the Mor and the Vuchim debacle. Okay. So, thanks. Uh, yes, yeah, it would be great if we would have time to read all of Igeret Teiman, it would be great. But anyway, you can go online. It's not a long read, it's a good read. Everyone should certainly see the beauty of the language of the Rambam. And I'd be glad to answer questions about it. But let's, let's keep this for now. In both cases, in both cases, the Mashiach is human? In all cases. Nobody questions that. Right, right. Nobody. In all interpretation that he has to come from a family, that, um, um, from the same family, you know, like the Shabtais believe, all this is nonsense that was added. Is there any, any um, prescription what kind of a person he should be? Yeah, yeah, the Rambam, yeah, the, the, like, like we saw, the Rambam lays out what he expects of it, and, and he explains that because there are expectations, because there are specific rules, that's why we rejected um, the other religions, because they didn't follow these rules. They didn't, for example, the fact that, uh, let's go with uh, Jesus, Jesus died, he's out. He's out. I mean, he, we may have known he was out before that, but, but by the point that he's dead, says the Rambam, Zehu, right? There's nothing to talk about anymore, he died. It's the same as Bar Kochva. Right? Bar Kochva's out because he died. That's it. Let's move on. It, it's interesting because the Rambam uses the word Vehitzliach. In fact, the, um, the Migdal Oz. Beautiful words. Listen to this. Um, oh, actually, the, yeah, the Migdal Oz. This is what he says. The only way to prove that someone is Mashiach is with Hatzlacha. Meaning, if he succeeds. Promises won't convince us someone is Mashiach. Um, 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 you know, um, miracles won't even convince us that someone is Mashiach. And we'll get to that. That's part of the answer. The only way to prove that someone is Mashiach is with Hatzlacha. You bring peace to the world, endless peace to the world, and now you're Mashiach. Until then, we'll, 
we will, we will take you Bechezkat Mashiach. This is the approach of the Rambam. While the Ravad seems to suggest, no, we test him and we see, you know, if he can, if he can do stuff, if he's supernatural, if he's, a, if he's a messenger of God, and then we accept him. So we've got two different images, like I said. One of them is looking for a prophet, and the other one for a diplomat. The Rambam just wants someone who is, again, it has to be uh, uh, someone who knows the entire Torah, Someone who follows the whole Torah. The Rambam is not conceding on that. Someone who knows the Torah and keeps the Torah. But, the most important thing he has to do is teach the world to be better people. To serve God and to recognize and to stop with all the silly wars that everyone's fighting all the time for, for absolutely no reason. I know, they, I know people say there are reasons for wars, but if you think about it, there aren't really, right? You, you've got... Um, you, we've, we, you know, when two kids are fighting over a toy, we, we say, you had it first, you keep it, you get, we'll get you another toy. And, and the, most of the world's wars are fought over silliness. It's like, we want this toy, you want that toy. It's, it's really, it's really, it's really um, strange. But, so what Mashiach is going to do, according to the Rambam, is just teach people to be better. Is, uh, according to Rambam, Mashiach lives forever? He, he never dies? No, according to the Rambam... He dies, he's not a Mashiach anymore? According to the Ravad. Oh. Right, right, because the Rambam learns it's just a regular human being, who's just a regular great teacher, educator, philosopher, whatever. And yet, according to the Rambam, Mashiach will die. According to this, at least this understanding of... And then his son will take over. And his son will also be someone great completely different image than the Ravad who's going to have this prophet who maybe we have, maybe he will live forever. I would like to say that the, the suggestion that Rambam gave in Igeret Eiman, tell me if I'm wrong, it's when they say, Anachnu koreibu mishtachavim, lifnei melech malchei amlachim, that is kind of derech ha'emtza, that is kind of, you are, maybe you are bowing to the king of Yemen, but really you are by, bowing to, to God. This is one thing that he always found, the Derecha Emtza, that was, that, that you can get out of it. And that's, the, the Rambam is giving us the practical thing that we can live with it all our life. According to the Rabbad, it's, we see Shabtai Tzvi, we see Bar Koziva, in, in very pressing time in true history, People like this come because it's a need. Right. And oh, I, I will. Uh, the big up is going the big down. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Although I'm not convinced. Uh, I mean, the, the point that you're saying is certainly true that all of this leads to one of the most dangerous things in all of Judaism, which is a Mashiach Sheker. It is one of the worst things. I mean, Shabtai Tzvi, what he did to European Jewry, uh, is, is, is incomprehensible. And, 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 um, it does, the, but I'm not convinced that we don't that all the Mashiach Sheker came as the Ravid's Mashiach. There are plenty of Mashiach Sheker who came as the Rambam's Mashiach. People who showed up claiming to have. Give us an example. Right. Well, 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 well let, let's hold on to that just for a second because. The, right. Right. You know what? I, I, I have an idea. I have an idea. I. Bezrat Hashem. Maybe we'll put this on the second series, this, this subject. Um, okay. I, I was going to do something else, but l um, let's, let's put that into the second series. I think this needs a discussion on its own. But meanwhile, let's go back to the... Yeah, it, it, there are Mashiach Sheker uh, of both kinds. There were Mashiach Sheker people who came along and claimed to be the king of the Jews... Uh, and even without necessarily presenting presenting miracles, and these were throughout the ages, I'm going to avoid using names because then that'll start a discussion about each example that I raise. So let's 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 leave that for now. However, however, we do want to get back to this question of we seem to be using yes, Nativa. I have a question. Yes. Uh, you said that this, the Mashiach will have a son possibly. 
that means he's going to get married, right? Yep. So if he's getting married, who is that wife of his? Is she tends to be also some kind of a Mashiach? Uh, um, I, I, that's a fascinating question. I mean, she would be a Malka. So, so yeah, I mean, um, I, I'm assuming that uh, there's going to be... Uh, that's a very interesting question. I, there, there isn't enough literature on this for me to be able to give you a good answer, um, but it's a fascinating question. Right? Uh, who, who is, who's, who's the... Uh, um, wh- what is her role going to be? That's a, an interesting question to think about. I know, it's interesting. Yeah. Okay. But now it's a hope for some women now to, to find Mashiach. <laughs> Right. To well, marry one. To marry one. Right. Well, yeah, that's the the the, the Shadchanim um, perspective. Right? Well, now maybe Mashiach will be a woman. Right. Well, let's let, let's actually go there for a second. Uh, you know, th- this that's issue of. Too. Okay. Um, I'd like to get into the question of Bar Kokhba because that's what it seems to revolve around. But I I'm going to do something a little unexpected here. Um. I owe the group a debt. It's probably close to five years old. So there's a question that has come up a number of times, and I always say, at some point we will, we will discuss it. Um, so I'd like to give you the answer to the question now. So we're going to try now. This is... Um, asking everyone to play along with me just for, just for a minute. Um, the question was asked, and I'll, I'll explain the relevance of this question. The question that was asked, I, I want to say five years ago, and since then it's been asked um, not, uh, many times, dozens of times, is the, the rabbis in Israel, modern day state Israel, the state of Israel, the rabbis, four words, what is their problem? Yes? Everyone has this question. What is their problem? Why is there, why is there so much difficulty in dealing with the religious rabbis? I, I'm phrasing the question the, the way it's been asked to me. Why are the rabbis always you know, making things difficult, always doing things one way, saying a different way? They won't accept the way the country is being run. Yeah? I'm going to take a few minutes now, and I'm going to give you, not my answer, but their answer. But in order for this to work, I need everyone to suspend what you know. You have to suspend your opinions, you have to suspend, and I'm, I'm explaining this now, I'm not giving you my opinion. I'm going to say this again. I'm going to say it again soon also because someone might think that maybe I am giving my opinion. I'm not giving you my opinion. I'm giving you what they say. Right? Agreed? Okay. So I want you to think about the following... Who are they? Who are they? The Rabbanim in Israel. Ah, okay. Okay. So um, I, I want you to think about this. There is a rabbi today in Bnei Barak, who is referred to by the ultra-Orthodox as the Sar HaTorah. Sar HaTorah. He is the master of Torah. He is the biggest Talmud Chacham of the generation. Everyone looks to him and turns to him. Everybody across the board, all ultra-Orthodox Jews, look at him and say, this man is Mamash Kulo Torah. He is such a big Talmud Chacham that when he gives people a bracha, he says bracha v'atzlacha, that he doesn't even have time to say bracha v'atzlacha because it takes too long and he wants to go back to his learning. He just says the Rashi Tevot, Bedvavhe, Buha. And he's, I want you to appreciate this, he's such a Talmud Chacham that for him an abbreviation is a word. Like in a sefer, where you have an abbreviation as a word. For him, an abbreviation is a word. He's on a level of Torah mamash. He knows every word of the Torah inside out. He makes a siyum on Erev Pesach, there's a minag to make a siyum on one Masechta of Gemara. He makes every year a siyum on Erev Pesach on Kol HaTorah Kula. Something that people try to do in their lifetime, and most people never get to, he makes a siyum every Arab Pesach. Okay. 
Now this Rav, Rav Chaim Kanievsky, carries with him three and a half thousand years of Torah knowledge and tradition. This Rabbi, and I'm just using him as the example, has with him thousands and thousands of philosophers and thinkers and teachers and Rabbanim and Darshanim and Magidim, all in his mind. Again, three and a half thousand years of, of Torah in his, in, his, in his mind. I don't know what you have to do to reach that level. It is like, it is like um, I don't know, like, uh, like everyone else is down here, and he is like super sensei, um, Torah expert giant way up there. I, I, don't, I don't know where you have to, how you can possibly reach that height. Now here is where we're getting to the point. How could it be that this Jew is living in B'nai Barak with 3,000 years of Torah knowledge amongst all the scholars? That means that he's got thousands of terabytes of information, well, millions and billions of, of ideas and thoughts. Nobody's asking him. No one asks him for anything. How could it be that you have a state, a country of Jews who have thousands of years of tradition and no one thinks that that tradition should be a part of how the Jewish people live their life? Now, again, not my position. I'm telling you what their position is. Now, hear me out because it's going to get more difficult. Right? So people complain, the rabbis, they run the, the rabbinut, the kashrut, the marriage, they make things difficult. I'm going to spin this. Not my opinion, their opinion. You relegated them. You didn't want to give the religious Jews a part in running the country, so you gave them this area of religious stuff and said, you deal with the religious stuff. You deal with the marriage and divorce and the kashrut and shemitah, and we complain about it every second of the day. The rabbis make us do this because of their religious ideals. The rabbis make us do that because we complain about them. And I'm going to say these words, not my words, their position. You treat them like garbage. Everywhere they go, you know what? When's the last time that a Jew with curly payas and a big hat got a job at a mall and the girls didn't come by to test him to see if he's really religious? You, you treat them in this way and then you, 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 you got rid of them by giving them Gitan and Kedushan because they, they wanted a country which they can bear minimally. You've given them the bare minimum for their religious survival and, and in order for them to function in the country, and you're complaining about it. Meanwhile, meanwhile, we have this knowledge, this tradition, all of Jewish tradition. Do you know that non-secular Judaism, that doesn't turn to the rabbis of the Talmud and get their position, how old is your knowledge? You have a hundred years of identity. And you're throwing away thousands of years of identity because you, because you have trouble with these religious Jews. So why is it not that the prime minister of the country goes to talk to the rabbis with a respectful tone and says, here's the situation, here's the information. How, how does your Talmud tell us how to look at this? How does the Torah give us insight? And you'll see the whole country will change, if, not if you give them any more power. If you give them the opportunity to influence and to introduce, instead what you do is, you, you push them aside, you gave them these little corners, they have to fight over every penny, and then you accuse them of being money chasers, and, and then that only turns the country against them. You accuse them of not joining in the army and not doing whatever as part of their country, when in fact you make it difficult for them, because when they do try to join the army, you make all these rules against what they can and can't do. When they try to become part of work, they face discrimination and all of that. So you're, who's starting the tensions and who's starting the fight? Okay, I'm going to ask you, should I move on? Should, do you want a minute to think about this, or should I say that again? Again. Yeah, I want to hear more about the neighbor the rabbi. Okay. How do they know he's so smart? I mean, if they don't talk to him, how do they know he has all this knowledge? So he sits there, and he studies Torah all day. 
and people come by. But we have we, people ask him questions. The rab we ask him questions. Right? The Orthodox Jews ask him questions. Many other people ask him questions. It's uh, what I'm saying is the government doesn't ask him questions. And you know, he said, he said, I, you know, I don't think lockdowns are so important. And it was like this horrible thing. People and today, listen, the statistics. It's not so clear whether, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. Certainly, and one has to wear masks and all of that, but whether a lockdown works, that's... He, but, but the point is that... Uh, anyway, so this rabbi in, in B'nai Barak, I, I'm just going to say it again, he, it, um, he was once asked a question, how many times does it say Moshe in the Torah? I may have said this story. How many times does it say Moshe in the Torah? And he gave a number, and someone else put it in the computer, and the computer had um, two more. And he started laughing. So they asked him, um, what, what's so funny? He said, because there's one place in the Torah that says the word Mashe, and there's another place in the Torah where it says, it talks about if there's Yimat Habayit Miyot Mise. Mise. And so he says, your computer picked up two words that are Mem Shin Hei, that are not Moshe. The fact that he could, in his head, on the spot, think of the two places where a computer would get it wrong. I mean, we're on a whole other level. But there's a Jew like that, who's a half hour drive from the Knesset. So, so who's... I, I, and that's the point I'm making. To the religious Jews, they don't understand. How could you walk away from all of this knowledge and this tradition and treat it like it's some ancient barbaric way of living, when, when to them, this is like we're carrying, we're carrying Torah Misenai, and you're not even giving us the time of day. You know, I am blaming the Orthodox people in 1925, after the Balfour Declaration, when people went to Israel, even in 1935, when they saw already, the Orthodox were building yeshiva, they were blind, instead of going to Israel. My grandfather sent certificates to two cousins in Poland in 1938. The rabbi told they went to Auschwitz. If million people, Orthodox, came to Israel in 1925 and not just 600 families, if the Orthodox rabbis would see the future, will not blind, Israel would look different because then they would be a majority and the country will look different. Well, let, 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 me, let me respond to that. I have to answer. Can I answer for that? Please. There's the same thing today. Many, many, many rabbis tell everybody that we're willing to listen, live where you are and come to Aliyah to Israel. How many people do you think do it? We're all very comfortable here. Right. Uh, well, well I, get, I, I don't want to make this about numbers. Nobody's living. Yeah, it, this, this isn't about numbers. Again, this is a question of how people perceive each other and interact with each other, and, and, and again, I, I understand, there are factors, I, I don't want to, I, I know I'm not, you're mentioning, it's not really blaming, it's, it's a factor, it's a reason, meaning, yeah, they were at fault for not seeing what was coming, uh, perhaps, and that, that itself could be a debate about the rabbi's reactions in the 20s and in the 30s, but nevertheless, we're talking today. We're talking today, 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 which means that even if you found reason for why the country wasn't built in a way um, where the religious would have the opportunity, whatever it is, today, as we say, halacha lama said, the way that we're living today is that the the um, non-religious see the religious as people who are living in a backwards way and are just leeching off the society, while the religious are seeing themselves as being persecuted and cut out of the process, and to say that things could have been done in the past, I agree with you, but I don't know if we want to leave the emphasis on, what, on how things could have been done in the past. The, the big problem, I think, it's no separation between that and Medina, religion and government. That's the biggest problem in Israel. Well, let, let me... No separation between those things. Well, the, the thing, thing is, is, I don't... That, that religion became a political power. 
that's the biggest problem. Yeah, the, the, the problem is within Judaism, it's not so clear how you can arrange for a separation of religion and state because the Torah... Today, we yeah, live in that many countries. Well, well the, the, it's not an easy process. But the thing is, what, what we're looking for right now, and that's my point, is that the minimum, the minimum, there should be a respect that the Rabbanim, the Roshim, the head rabbis, the chief rabbis, and I don't mean the people who have the political position, because the way that it's been set up, it's become all corruption and, and this, it's, it's a strange system. But I'm saying the system that doesn't involve corruption. The real Sar HaTorah, who did not get his job ever from any form of corruption. He never even, it was just, he's the biggest Hamad Chacham and everyone comes to him. And the same thing before him, um, people used to come all the time to his, to his father-in-law, Rav, Rav Al-Yashiv. Uh, uh, these are, the, the, no, one, no, no one voted for them, they didn't have to lobby for the position, they, they're just, and the point, if there would be a respect between the government and the wisdom, just wisdom, forget holiness and spirit, just the wisdom, if, if there would be a Talmudic perspective in the Knesset, or at least if the Knesset would respect, if, if, if in every discussion there would be, and this is what the great Orthodox Rabbi said, instead of it being a source of mockery, we would have a different country, different dynamics. And that's what their problem is. Yeah? For every learned, smart, knowledgeable, respected rabbi, we have a million who are, who are not. Yes. They should contribute their share to the workforce, to the army, to everything else. So okay. you took an example of somebody who is outstanding, who is uh, unusual, but there are only a few of them, and the rest are not. I'll say this. I'm not, again, the whole question of, of Rabbanim, learning, and army, and work, and all of that, I think, I believe, and maybe I'm being a little too... Um, you know, uh, um, imaginative, but I believe that it's only those one, two, three rabbis who you need to learn from, who you need to connect to, and I think it changes the dynamic. There is Torah Judaism, and you guys are entitled to live your Torah Judaism, and we're not going to live our Torah Judaism, but we will let you li live it in peace, and we will respect you if you respect us. And the way that it's done is because Reb Chaim Kanievsky will give an hour of time and sit with uh, Mr. Netanyahu and discuss some things. And he doesn't have to listen to him, but at least walk away and say, the, the Talmud... In all of our wisdom. This is a rabbi who's, he's got a box and in it is all the wisdom that the Jewish people have ever collected. He's got a box and it's in his head. Don't you think someone should go to him for some questions? Again, I think that your question is a little, I would like to change it a bit. First it has to be a respect on both sides. Absolutely. And the Chilonim don't feel that there is any respect from there. So why would you expect the Chilonim to come to the tradition and try to find what they have there when basically they negate everything else that the other have. So I think your question maybe has to be changed and put differently. Well, you, you approach the Chilonim, how do they respect the wonderful, terrific rabbi? And I say, no, 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 no. I want him first to respect us then we can talk. Okay. And Netanyahu is probably not the person for that. Right. Only if we'll get <laughs> Well, let's avoid modern politics. I was just using him as an example. But, but to respond to what you're saying, uh, listen, I'm not, I'm not defending anyone here. I'm not here to defend them. I'm just telling you what they think. Oh, so, so, so it is possible for you to say that it's the other way around, that, that they should be um, you know, bringing the white flag of peace instead. That may be true, but that's not what they're thinking. What they're thinking is, we have all this... Yeah? So, okay. You ask the Chilonim 
basically, why don't they do that? So I'm trying to put my input, why don't they respect my way of living? Why well, am I supposed to go to them? Who, who, who has the power? Who has the power and who is the one who is subject so to that power? Everybody is using the power and that's politic and it's that's, that's, that's correct. I have you. Um, who Ra are you going to answer? Ra Rabbi Walsh said not even 10 minutes ago that the body of knowledge of thousands of years cannot be compared to a body of knowledge of only 100 years old. Ah, so you come with an assumption, whatever it is. Okay, so, not as, a parent, as a parent, when you have a child, at what age you start to respect them? As you, as you nurture them to grow up from, from an infant, you expect them to respect you. At what, what, when is the pivot point when you respect them? And it's the same here. Okay. I think, I think the biggest uh, problem is... It's not ideologically, it's not philosophically, it's what can I get out of the situation. That's it's, right. too, it's too far gone. Well, I'm telling you that it's only like that because of the way the situation is. And again, I want to move on from this, but, but, but I, I want you, even if you don't agree, and you're entitled to not agree, I think it's very important that we take a minute and we think about what are they thinking because you cannot disagree with someone if you don't know what they believe. And I think that unfortunately what happens in politics and in the whole world is that when we disagree with someone, we spend a lot of time explaining and vilifying what the other people believe to the point where we can't even understand why they would even think something like that. And then we've created the straw man, we've, we've created a new version of what they think, and then we criticize it. And instead what we need to be doing is thinking a little bit and saying, um, and saying that, uh, you know, what, what, what is it that they're coming to the table with? What is it that they want? What are they so upset about? Why are these people ignoring basic medical uh, common sense? Why are they doing that? What's happening? And if you really, it's not, oh, they're closed-minded and they're, um, you know, they're stupid and, and they, they believe they're... It's not like that. I know too many people tell people both sides have it wrong because both sides are drawing pictures of what the other side uh, believes that isn't actually what the other side believes. And that, that's what I wanted. And I, I'm going to run out of time, so I'm going to sweep us away from this and back into the Rambam Ravid because I, I want to use this point to explain the issue between the Rambam and the Ravid. You see, the issue is, we, we, the Jewish people, have a tradition that's three and a half thousand years old, of tradition that has gone, mirav le Talmud, to rav to Talmud, to rav to Talmud, and, and you can actually, if you do research, I can trace back from my Rebbe, to his Rebbe, to his Rebbe, to his Rebbe, to Sinai. To Sinai. That's the kind of tradition which we have. Now, world history, I'm going to try to do this in five minutes, let's see if I can do this. World history is, is told by the people who got to write the book. And it turns out, surprise, they are, most of them are liars. Not, this is not my research. But I use, my, my favorite example is Herodotus. Herodotus is a Greek historian who wrote the story of everything that came before him. It turns out, it was what we would call in modern colloquial terms, it was fake news. It was, the stories he told were all twisted to make the Greeks look better and to make the Persians look bad. We've done research, we've done excavations, we have real archaeologists, not like Herodotus, and we found that he's a liar. Wars that he said were won by the Greeks were actually lost by the Greeks. The numbers are off, the kings are off, the dates are off, everything. He changed it because he, his job was to, be, to tell the story for the Greeks. And in our mind, we think historians have to tell the truth, that isn't what they believed. They believed that they have propaganda and an agenda to assert. 
Meanwhile, the rabbis recorded without a bias. Now, you'll say, the rabbis without a bias? The rabbis recorded history without a bias. You know how I know this? Because the book of the Talmud, I mean, there's the, the, the Sefer of the, the book of the Talmud contains stories about the rabbis that are shameful and embarrassing. You remember last week we learned about Rish Lakish and Rabbi Yochanan, how one of the, last time one of the rabbis called the other rabbi a name? That's nothing. The, the Talmud has a story of Rish Lakish when he was a cannibal. Well, I'm sorry, when he, when he attacked a group of cannibals, by using their religious rules against them, he outsmarted them and killed them. That's a story in the Talmud. The, the Talmud tells stories. The, the rabbis are looking to try to record things, and that's why, and here's I'm coming to my point. The story of Bar Kochva that you know is the story as told by those who were writing while the Romans were watching. The story of Bar Kochva as described by the rabbis is different. And I want you to think about, I want you to think about how it is that a Jewish history book can tell the story of Bar Kochva the way that the story was told by those who wrote it under the eye of the Romans without making a single mention of this rabbinic tradition that's been passed along for thousands of years. Think about this. Can you name, tell me one 13th century scholar who was analyzing Bar Kochva? Nothing until the historians came along in the 18th, 19th, and 20th centuries to retell history. But, uh, in the, but you do have the Rambam in the 13th century. He's telling you the tradition that he had. And he had from his Rebbe, and his Rebbe from his Rebbe. And the tradition was that Rabbi Akiva was carrying the weapons of Bar Kokhba. Everyone says, is there a source for this? Is there not a source for this? Of course there's a source for this. The Rambam heard this from his Rabbi, you heard it from his Rabbi, you heard it from his Rabbi, who heard it from his Rabbi, and if you keep going, who stood there and watched Rabbi Akiva holding the sword? It's not some recording that someone decided to tell some story. This is the Talmud that we have. So the Rambam says, my tradition is that Rabbi Akiva went about this and all he saw was we had a political leader who was doing a good job, who was bringing the Jewish people back to Judaism. He was supporting, he was winning battles. He's Mashiach. And he wanted to prove that he was Mashiach, so he held the instruments. Mashiach, according to the Rambam's tradition, going back, and this is from the Talmud, is going to be a very good person. And it's easy for us to picture it. And, and we're going to finish with this. According to the Rambam, the picture is some human being who's just so good and so wise and so learned and so understanding and so generous and so kind. I'll go on with another 20 accolades. He's so good that the whole world just moves past the silliness and the childishness that we're all living in and we all become a better people. You know what? That's a miracle. It's a miracle, but no flying object, no x-ray vision, no super speed, no shape-shifting. Just a miracle of one person waking up humanity to just be decent people. Says the Ravid, where's the fun in that? Right? We, want, we want to see some Marvel Avengers. We want to see some, some miracles. We want to see someone who can spiritually test and smell someone and see if they're telling the truth or not. And this debate is the debate. And it's a debate, think about this, because we're going to hold on until class 10, about the way the state of Israel should be run as well. And, and part of what we need to open our minds up to is that there are people who have a perspective and even if we don't necessarily have a good picture of the people, we have to realize that all human beings have a point of view. And when we can increase our appreciation for what the other side is trying to say, not only will it um, help pe bring peace, not only will it make the world a better place, but it also make you smarter, because you will now have access. Who doesn't want to know 
how a country should be run according to the Talmud. Who doesn't want to know how we should be behaving in a pandemic according to the Talmud? And who doesn't? So at least to appreciate and to understand, and that's part of what the debate in the land of Israel, but it comes down to what kind of figure are you seeing as the messianic figure who's going to save the world? Tov? Hello, Okay. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. 